Bears Nation, powered by Betstamp. Five, Five three, two, one. The football gods are always on the Bears' shoulders. We're going to take the North and never give it back. And now, ladies and gentlemen, here's your hosts, Kevin Lapka. What I'd really like to do is put the greatness of this man in perspective. Phenomenally good. And Jake Hassan. And Jake Hassan. There's a new sheriff in town. The best in the city of Chicago. This town of Chicago, one of the best sports towns and best fans in the country. They deserve better. It's the Bears Nation Training Camp Podcast. Welcome back, Bears Nation Podcast. It is Monday, August 29th. Week three of the preseason has concluded, and Kevin Lapka just simply cannot hold his excitement to talk about Justin Fields and how the Bears are going to make the playoffs anymore. So we are doing We're this back. episode, this week's episode, on a Monday. Soon we will be back to twice a week to do recaps and previews. That'll be coming starting before week one, our first Wednesday preview. And after that, it'll be twice a week again. Kevin Lapka, Iron Man over here, no sling, no nothing, has the surgery, and is just right back to not just regular day-to-day life. We're back. I'm hooping later. I'm playing football oh, tomorrow. I'm playing baseball. No, I'm not doing any of that. I was I, uh, say, that I'm able to take it off when I'm like sitting and stuff. So like it doesn't hurt like when I'm just sitting. So I figured for the appearance, you know, let's look professional. Let's take the sling off. But we're feeling better. We're feeling good. And hopefully we'll be back soon. For the people who have not been around recently, Kevin, of course, tore his labrum, separated his shoulder, absolutely just fucked himself up playing (laughs) softball for the Odyssey team. Absolutely unbelievable. Also hilarious, just given that he was like supposed to be the star edition and just absolutely makes it two games before destroying his body. Love uh, to let see it be it. known, Jake, in those two games, I accounted for about 12 RBIs, four home runs, and, you know, nine put outs. So I I did my job while I was there, all right? Now, I, I regret not being there for the team in the playoffs, but let's not say it was all for naught, all right? I, I, I contributed. In a- <laughs> okay. Contributed before uh, being tragically placed on IR. You really hate to see it. Um, but we are here. It is Monday. It is Bears Nation podcast, Kevin Lapka and myself. And Kevin, I'm just going to give you the floor to gush about Justin Fields for the next five minutes because I know how this is going to go. The Bears beat the Browns in the final preseason game. Justin Fields admittedly looks really good. The offensive line actually shows that they may be a competent unit. Maybe not good, maybe not average, but competent, which we'll take based on what we thought it was going to be. But the Bears show some life, show some improvement. In the final week of the preseason, now Kevin Lapka, there's two weeks off about before they're back in action and the season actually starts. I'm not going to gush, Jake, because this isn't a surprise to me. Like, this isn't a revelation. Like, what happened on Saturday isn't a revelation. Like, I didn't discover on Saturday that Justin Fields is good at football. Like, we knew this, and we've just been waiting for him to show it, waiting for him to be put into a position where it's possible for him to show it. We knew he had it all along, all throughout last year, all throughout this offseason. Everyone knew. It wasn't just me. It wasn't just you. Everyone, even if you didn't love Justin Fields that much, you knew that what he showed on Saturday – is who he is and what he is going to be. Everyone knew that. It's just you were not given the ability to see it because of the previous coaching regime. Now what you saw on Saturday is exactly what you're going to see all year. Like this isn't just, oh, it happened once in the preseason. Like let's not think too much about it and let it go. Like, no, this is the Justin Fields in the offense that you are going to see in 2022, like on a weekly basis. And, you know, not every week is he going to throw three touchdowns in the first half, right? But the things that you saw on some of those touchdown passes, right? Designed rollouts, bootlegs, you know, um, great throws. Like, e- like even the simple throws, like the pop throw to Simba and Simba Webster over the linebacker. That was just like a five-yard zig mm-hmm. route. But like, these are things that you didn't see. And you know, as much as we want to talk about the rollouts, right? And you know, the increased number of designed rollouts and bootlegs, which have been great, and that's exactly what you do with Justin Fields because that's where he's at his best. You can also see what happened when there's good protection, right? Like that throw to, I believe it was O'Shaughnessy, the first touchdown out of the game. It wasn't a rollout. It wasn't a bootleg. It was give Justin Fields a little bit of time, let him throw an absolute dart, a strike right to a man who's open. It wasn't, he wasn't threading the needle, but it was a great throw. And all you have to do is give the guy a little bit of time, 
the offensive line played well outside of that first series. I know everyone was watching that game, myself and Cody. I watched that first series, and I'm like, I, I was like, fuck. Like, are you serious right now? Like, mm-hmm. this is not how you go into the regular season with momentum. And then they do that the next four series, and you're like, yes, this is how you right. go into the regular season with momentum. Very, very impressed with, you know, first of all, the decision by Matt Eberflus to to send the guys out there. He very could have well, he very well could have not sent any of the starters out there. And sure. the conversation we would be having today, Jake, would be entirely different. It would be concerning. It would be worrisome. It would be uneasy. Now, look at the confidence we have. Do you have sort of the same confidence that I have? Because, like, how can you not? Like, again, it's preseason and all that, but this is what you're going to see. You finally saw a glimpse of what Justin Fields can do when things, when, when everything around him is going the right way. This is going to be a better football team this year than most people think. So there's a thing uh, people always say, and I will give credit where credit is due. This is a, a Nick Costosism. But if your quarterback's awesome and your coach is awesome, you're at least going to get eight wins, nine wins out of that. And you see that throughout the National Football League all the time. After what we saw, and we saw the flashes from Justin Fields last year, the Baltimore game, the Pittsburgh game, of course, most notably. But Matt Eberflus might be good at this too. Luke Getze might be really good at this, which would dramatically raise your ceiling even if the level of talent around the rest of the team maybe isn't up to par. However, let's just put a microscope on Saturday on its own. There are guys, and we've talked about this on the show, you don't know how many guys you have on each side of the ball. We've done this exercise. We think maybe you get five. I'm just going to say I was the president of the Cole Komet fan club. All, end of last year, all offseason. Finally, Respect Kevin Lapkus starts to come around on the idea that Cole Komet might be a top half of the league tight end. And you show, and we saw it. We've started to see it. And Tevin Jenkins is playing pretty well. And yes, uh, on Saturday, especially Larry Borum looks a little bit better. I mean, Tevin Jenkins is going to start at right guard. Like that's very clear to me. Like no, he he's going to traded year. according to Ian Rappaport. What the hell right. was that all about? I mean, Tevin Jenkins is going to be your starting right guard. Yes. He's yes. started the last two preseason games, and according to everyone at practice, he's getting all the reps with the ones. I don't know what happened. I don't know what changed. I don't know what. Kind of tomfoolery nonsense was going on, but apparently it's gotten ironed out. Um, but all of this, of course, goes back to Justin Fields. And you mentioned that the rollouts and the movement and even giving him a little bit of time, which we saw last year in those stretches where he was playing really well, was when the offensive line was at its best, when Jason Peters finally started to get comfortable and you had guys healthy. And now you're starting to see that kind of take shape here. Granted, of course, yes, it's the preseason. It's the third week of the preseason. People just want to get into the regular season. They're kind of nailing an in maybe. However, things that stood out to me about Justin Fields and his performance with the offense on Saturday. Number one. You know, Justin Fields is a naturally confident guy. You see him, he enters a room, he has that confidence. I, I can be better, I can do this better. Uh, this is my team, this is my offense, uh, yada, 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 yada. We finally started to see it on Saturday on that rollout, on the touchdown to uh, Komet. He's directing traffic out there. Yeah. You know, he's moving, he's on the roll, he's directing traffic, he's telling people where to go, and then he's throwing touchdown passes. As he's, he's directing traffic so efficiently, and again, preseason, backups, whatever you want to say, we didn't see that at all. And yeah, some of that because it was running, he was running for his life or he's just staring down Darnell Mooney. But this year, and again, preseason, I'm going to keep hammering that point home. He's directing traffic out there. And maybe it's the confidence of being on the move and being in these bootlegs where we know he's at his most comfortable, which is what made him a star at Ohio State, of course. But it was just, it, it's validation for the fans because we've been calling for pounding the table for movement, for bootlegs, for all these things. And you're finally right. seeing it. And Luke Getze saying, yeah, we're going to continue to evolve. And we're going to continue to tailor this offense to his strengths. That all being said, Justin Fields is starting. I mean, that's all anybody talks about uh, all day today. I mean, it's Monday morning. you got guys, uh, national media people uh, uh, across the landscape talking about you know, Justin Fields and how good he looked. Brian Baldinger, who's an uh, NFL insider for Odyssey. He's talking about Justin Fields. Oh, Chicago, you have your QB for the first time in decades. Um, Robert Griffin is tweeting about how Justin Fields looks like he does, mm-hmm. how he did at Ohio State with all this movement, how he looks great. You have Keyshawn Vaughn, a Hall of Famer. Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn. Keyshawn Johnson? Yes, Keyshawn Johnson. I'm thinking of Keyshawn Vaughn of the Tampa Bay right. fourth string running back. Keyshawn Johnson, who's a Hall of Fame NFL player, saying that, yeah, this guy's a legit deal. Wait, He's real. Jake knows Keyshawn Vaughn, but he doesn't know Kendrick Bourne. <laughs> well, Keyshawn Vaughn went to Illinois. So oh, okay, Illinois. okay. That's why, too. Um, but 
you have these guys who are well-respected and who are on ESPN every day and uh, national outlets and saying, yeah, Justin Fields, this is what you were expecting. This is what you were looking for. I don't know where you were hiding him last year, but now you have someone who's tailoring to his strengths and it looks like he can be a star. And now in the course of one preseason game, Kevin, we have seen the narrative and the idea of Justin Fields flip completely, complete 180, 100%, because coming in, and I've said this, I mean, I said, you yelled at me a couple weeks ago because I said Justin Fields is not a mortal lock to be on this roster next year. While I still believe that's true because no one's really – but the, the narrative was, well, they didn't draft this guy and maybe they're not beholden to him. And, you know, maybe they, if things go wrong, they might start to look. One preseason game and now we're like, oh, this guy's – he's the dude. He's him. Like This is the – like this he's guy's going to run the city. Like that's what we're talking about after one preseason game where you finally saw – everything that you've been clamoring for and waiting for for the better part of a year now. And I will end this rant by saying that it certainly raises the ceiling and even the floor of the bears. If this continues into the regular season. Yeah, it does. Jake, like this is why, and look, it's not just, Oh, people have changed their perspective and narrative on Justin Fields. Like it has changed the perspective of the team and how good the team can be. And this is why, you know, months ago when the schedule comes out and as we naturally do every year, we do a, you know, we do a prediction based off of the schedule because then you finally have your opponents and the dates and you know, you know, you can really break it down and predict a record. When I predicted it, when we came on the show, I said, this is a, this could be a team that wins nine games. This could be a team that wins eight to nine games, maybe 10 if everything goes right. And people called me crazy. Because I said, there's no way you're going to see, there's no way the quarterback play is going to be good enough. There's no way the talent's good enough. All of these factors, right? And then Saturday happens. And now people, like, there's not people who are just going to go out there and say, oh, yeah, they're going to win nine games. But there's people who are starting to see that, okay, that could be a possibility if if we see what we saw on Saturday most of the time. Not every single game, but we see it a good, we see it enough that they're going to, they can get to nine wins, right? They're not going to sure. do it every game, but they do it enough where they can get to nine wins. Like people think that's plausible now. And it is plausible. It's a thousand, it's a hundred percent plausible. And more importantly, like it just, it, it, it show it, it's all part of the process, right? For the people, you know, again, like they're not going to win the Super Bowl this year. Could they sneak into the wild card? I think they can. They're not going to win the Super Bowl. So if you look at this long view, again, the goal for this year is to establish <clears throat> Justin Fields as a top 12 quarterback in the league. Lock that down. You know he's going to be your guy. Boom. Now you go into next year with all of your cap space, $150 million. You may even have draft capital to trade up for Jackson Smith and Jigba. If you think you're going to be in the Super Bowl window starting next year, you can you can you can solidify that and you can put yourself in that position if Justin Fields is everything that we saw on Saturday, which he is. So sure. like it's it's on it's kind of annoying, right? Because <clears throat> it took that. It took one preseason right. game against, you know, a second stringers for people to realize that, oh, th- this is what it's going to be. This, you know, we didn't see this last year. This is the difference when you have a head coach and you have. Well, well, we were kind of on that track and then he got hurt. There was that stretch in the middle of the season where he's and you know, that was the stretch with Baltimore and Pittsburgh. And then he got hurt. And then that kind of. Well, Right. Reset but even things. then, like you knew you there were plays and there were moments where you just knew, right? You knew like this guy's going to be good. But as far as putting it all together, like you didn't even in those Baltimore and St- in Pittsburgh games, like it was him making something out of nothing. Like it right. still 1, wasn't him being put into the best position by his team. It was Justin Fields is just going to make an insane throw. He's going to break the pocket and make an insane run. Right. So we saw those elements of his game. But now as an offense, as a scheme, it's all coming together instead of just individual glimpses it's like okay this is a whole unit now that is an improved it's elevated and it's just on a different level so it's uh like again if if that's that's the offense we're going to see and with that type of offensive production this is a football team that is so far out of the bottom tier it's not even funny like you're not this is not a texans seahawks you know uh Falcons. Other teams, Falcons, Jaguars, like it's not in that round. It is not. And you are going to see that in 2022. Iceberg Slim 38. Fields is insane, bro. That's right. And it, yeah, so uh, enough about Fields. I mean, I, again, like it's not surprising to us. We knew this was going to happen, but we have to talk about it because now, now well, it's nice to see these it. moments happen in the preseason as opposed to, all right, struggle for three, four weeks and right. then hit your stride in the season. And now also 
I mean, and we'll talk about week one next next Wednesday, of course, and we'll do that full preview. But the 49ers look vulnerable. Their offensive line is in a, a whole mess. They're going to be missing two of their top defensive backs. So now, now you're looking at week one at home, and you're like, okay, maybe there's something here. And I am the one that always tries to keep the show even keel and on level. But you're going to have a chance to win that game probably, especially if you come out and punch them in the mouth with the new coach factor in front of the home fans. If Justin Fields plays like that, now, all of these things being said, all this gushing about Justin Fields being said, you're probably still like, Vilas Jones Jr. still has not been playing or practicing really, and he's, right. you're counting on him to be your three. Economia St. Brown, we have not heard his name more than five times all preseason, and he's going to be your two. Like Darnell Moody still be, now, I now mean, Byron Pringle will still be the two, I think. Well, if Byron Pringle plays, he didn't play on, on Saturday. He might still be hurt. We don't know what his recovery is going to look like. Nikhil Harry's out. Sure, I think, and I've been the biggest. I think Cole can basically be your number two and be that type of guy. But still, you're hurt, and you know we still don't know if Lucas Patrick, who you expect to be your starting center, is going to be ready for Week One too on Opening Day. So opening day like it's baseball but you know what i mean so offensive line while yes it looks a little bit like things are starting to come together a little bit and you're trying like braxton jones awesome story still fifth round rookie like he like, especially okay against that Saturday. 49ers defense yeah i mean right. against, against nick bosa it's a different story right though. and the same goes for i mean yes we it's nice to see the clips of tevin jenkins pancaking someone and getting up and running downfield and helping guys up and coming to their defense and larry borum we kind of have a feeling of that he can at least be an average maybe slightly above average right tackle but you know it's still like a lot of unknown especially if and the 49ers are still going to be a tough test especially for an unproven offensive line if you can give Fields enough time and if you can scheme enough things to get him on the move and keep him alive, then, yeah, I mean, it's going to look at and, – and Saturday was a step in the right direction. I am not fully prepared, though, to say, all right, we're good. All right, nine, ten wins, here we come. Like, I still firmly believe this is probably going to be a six or seven win team, but I have more optimism that they could possibly transcend that and possibly be more than the sum of their parts if, like I said, that – Matt Eberflus and Justin Fields reach their ceilings and are awesome. The, well, so as we talk about, again, we're getting to projections now. We talk about week one, and we both think there's a legitimate chance they can win. I mean, also, I mean, what the 49ers did today to me is very indicative of how they feel about Trey Lance. I mean, you restructure Jimmy Garoppolo's contract when everyone thought he was going to be released tomorrow, but you restructure it, you keep him in San Francisco. I don't know. It seems like that it's they want him there as a safety blanket in case things I, do not go right with Trey Lance. I forget who somebody tweeted it. It was somebody with a check mark, which I mean, not isn't really. I mean, friend of the Where's program Shane. Re- about damn time, Jake Hassan gets verified on Twitter. Friend of the program Shane Reardon has a check mark, so that tells you everything you need yeah. to know. Uh, <laughs> love you, Shane. He's definitely not listening to this. But anyway, somebody was saying like. The 49ers would not have done this if they were fully convinced that Trey Lance was the guy. Now, I think Trey Lance can be awesome. Like I, I put a bet on Trey Lance to win MVP at a huge price because it was worth it was ninety to one in that offense at that price. Hypocrisy, Jake. Jake yells at me for putting ten dollars on a Hail Mary parlay. You're lighting that much money on fire. Whatever you spent on Trey Lance winning the MVP, you might as well take a torch to it, just like I take the torch to my ten dollar parlay. Right. You know, when Adley Rutschman wins Rookie thing. of the Year, you better talk to me nice then. See, that's okay? fair. The Adley um, Rutschman is warranted. Trey Lance for MVP is not warranted. It's better than that, Mac Jones. At, at least it wasn't Mac Jones. At least it wasn't anyone, Mac Jones. Did someone really do that? I know people. Pe- I don't know people that actually put the buzz, but I know people who have who were hyping that train uh, before preseason games started, obviously, and now they're kind of like, Ugh. um. Anyway, all of this notwithstanding, where was I even going with this? I don't You're even talking about um, about Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo, and yes. You so you know they wouldn't have restructured this, and maybe it's just a play to wait for an injury, and you know because quarterbacks obviously we know get hurt all the time in the NFL. I mean, look at Sam Darnold's ankle exploded on national TV over the weekend, like. These things just happen, and maybe somebody trades for him or somewhere, or maybe like you know, maybe who knows? Somebody more than likely not. Somebody gets hurt, and somebody trades for Jimmy Garoppolo. Obviously, we're not hoping for injuries anywhere, but that's probably a real possibility. Because I mean, if you're the 49ers, okay, if nobody gets hurt, then it's a one-year contract now, and he walks. And yeah, it sucks you never got anything for him, but it is what it is because Trey Lance is your guy. You hitched your wagon to him. 
but it does seem to have like a little bit of because you never heard anything over the offseason. Like the 49ers are aggressively taking calls or making calls on Jimmy Grapple. It was just like, yeah, he's here. And yeah, we'll trade him if anybody wants him, but we're not going to really try. So what yeah. does that say more about Trey Lance or does it say more about, hey, to my original point, guys get hurt and Trey Lance spent time hurt last year. Do we want to just know that Jimmy's here, even if we won't let him practice with everyone else? Do we want to at least ensure that he's here and that we have a starting caliber quarterback, a Super Bowl caliber quarterback, depending on who you ask, as our backup in case something goes awry? That's exactly what it is, in my opinion. I mean, Trey Lance is going to, like, this doesn't change anything for week one. Trey Lance will be the starter. But again, like, we, we saw what happens to teams if you don't have your full confidence in the starting court and you're in your, you know, essentially at this point is essentially a rookie, right? Essentially a rookie starting his first full season, right? When you don't have the full confidence in a guy like that, like that affects the player and it affects the offense. It's exactly what happened to the bears last year. There was not was full confidence that. in Justin Fields being the starter. And there were real ramifications of that. So those things are real. And that's why I think the bears have a legit chance to win, but you know, you can go back and forth and people are going to do this in every single game. It's what we do every week is, Oh, let's line up personnel against personnel and see which team has a better roster. The reason why I think the bears can win. And I think will win that game. And I would love to tease, you know, what is that? Plus two forty? I think the bear is, you know, Something like that. betting talk. I mean, you're the betting Might guy. The bears are at like plus two forty. I mean, that it, sprinkle it just a little sprinkle you know on the bears plus 240 and you could definitely make some money but the reason why i think the bears are going to win this game and and based off of what i've seen this preseason this is a team that it, like they play hard man and they have fun when they play and it's like every single play they're hustling to the ball when you see a guy get tackled and i saw this a lot in the cleveland game there's five guys in there the ball right and this was this was a yeah. staple the man deeper for defense you watch the colts in the past three years you see, you, when you when you see guys at the attack, you see guys at the ball. Everyone's going at, at it. Five guys, and and you know, and, and now you go to the offense side of the ball, right? You talk about playing hard. This year, when Justin Fields nearly gets decapitated, it's no, that ain't gonna fly. You got five yeah. offensive linemen in the defense in the defender's face of the Cleveland Browns, saying, "Get the hell off my quarterback." We're standing up for each other. This is a culture. This is a team that's gonna that's gonna win you games. Those are elements to the game that can transcend, you know, lower tier uh, roster talent. Cause that's what this sure. like. This isn't an elite roster. This is an average above. Av- this is an average roster. Let's say it's an average, average roster. at best all, right now. Average. Okay. Average all the way around. It's an average roster. Right. But if you play hard, you play smart, you play disciplined. This is a team in the preseason. I think had, I mean, how many penalties do they have in the entire preseason? Like four or five. Sure. Right. This team played clean. Matt Eberflus was always like top three in defensive penalties as a defensive coordinator of the Colts. They're not going to make stupid mistakes. Those types of things, they go under the radar. That's what that's what gets you two extra wins in a season and gets you into playoffs, right? If the sure. Bears had all of that last year, they could have been a playoff team last year, right? If if they played smart, if they played hard, if they came out of the gates firing instead of scoring zero points in the half half the season, you could have won 10 games, not 10, probably nine games last year, right? Sure. Years before. I mean, they were eight and eight for a couple of years. That's the difference between eight and eight and, you know, now, now 10 and seven with 17 games. So that like, honestly, we can talk all we want about X's and O's and specific players of the preseason. My biggest takeaway, and as I saw the most in that Cleveland game was this is a team that they come out the gate, you know, firing, they're ready to play. They play hard and they don't make mistakes. And that's what teams that win championships do. So the bears have it right in, in that sense. And, and that's a really, really positive thing about Matt Eberflus you know, about him being the guy for the, you know, the long term. You want mm. Ad Eberflus to be your head coach for a long time because that means you're you winning hope. Super Bowls. That means things are going well. These are staples of a head coach of a good team that is, you know, playing good football. So to me, those were good things to see. But you say you saw one more thing on Saturday. What is that? You know, to your point real quick, uh, you know, that I, I don't want to talk about like culture or culture shift too much. Yeah, it's great that the team seems to be buying into – Eberflus's philosophy and whatever system he's implementing in the locker room. Um, we'll see how that is in December and you're middling around 500 or under 500. Oh. Like them, then we'll talk about culture and how he's holding the locker room together. Um, but we'll see. And, but you're right to your point. It seems like as of right now to start the season, guys are bought in, they're buying into the, you know, whatever he's preaching and we'll take that. Obviously it's better than the alternative. Uh, one last thing and a point you made a little bit about the penalties 
how many times last year would a penalty that Ryan Griffin made would have just stalled out the Bears and you yep. just would have ended up punting or a turnover or something and you know would have killed all momentum? Ryan Griffin commits a penalty, sets the Bears back, then they just continue down the field and score a touchdown. That was really huge to me that Luke Getze was able to overcome that, didn't let it completely kill all the momentum. Again, I know it's preseason, but still it's like, all right, it gives you a little bit of hope that things are kind of changing around there because a million times last year we saw penalty, kills the drive, all right, you're punting now. And that so many times led to zero points in the first half, like you said. So in that kind of same vein of like the culture and the shift like you were talking about, that's part of that too. And I think I thought that was very huge to see because it's not something that shows up in the box score, but it's like, okay, that's something we've seen kill the Bears over and over and over and over again. And first time it happens in the preseason, they get over it, they go and score the touchdown. So maybe things are kind of rolling in the right direction. That was just something that stood out as well. Absolutely. And I forgot, I think I said James O'Shaughnessy earlier, it was Ryan Griffin. And he, he you know, he looked good. So, yeah. you know, we'll, that's a good transition for our roster. We're, you want to do our little roster uh, predictions now? Or you got anything else on Saturday? I'll for Saturday. Okay. Wait, what'd you say? You kind of cut off for a second. I said, no, that, that, that hit everything I had for Saturday. That I mean, I think we covered it all. Um, I mean, obviously, the, I mean, the Justin Fields imminent breakout is the biggest takeaway from that. Um, but yeah, I mean, so far, so good in the Matt Eberflus era, and we'll see how it goes from here. But yeah, we'll move into rosters, and a cut day is tomorrow. Gets cut down to the final 53, right? It is the final 53, right? It is tomorrow. Yes, yeah. the final fifty-three is gonna be like twenty-five or so moves. I think they need to be made. Yeah. I don't know exactly what number they're at, but so they got a lot to make. Bears are gonna have some decisions to make. Um, wide receiver, of course, with these injuries that are probably the secondary. I'm gonna be honest. I don't think our guy Thomas Graham's making the roster. He, he hasn't played. Spoiler alert! Holy, yeah. little fuck. Guy hasn't played. Was not a guy that was drafted by this regime. I. It seems like the writing's on the wall there, but. Yeah, anything that, first off, Kevin, that you are somebody that you think is going to be a surprise cut, somebody that you can think is going to be a surprise make, what are you expecting tomorrow on cut day? Well, I could just do my whole run. We well, we could do position by position rundown because I don't I, I don't I didn't really do any like surprise cuts. I just literally did every single position and who I think is going to make it. So I guess we could go position by position and then see where we differ uh, there between the two of us. Uh, did you do a position by position, too, so that you have like everyone written down? Yeah, I mean, I have an outline. Okay, so let's let, let's just do that, right? So let's let's start with QBs. Okay, I think they only sure. carry two QBs. Do you, do you think they carry three? I mean, I think they just roll with Fields and Simeon, and they put Peterman on the practice squad. That seems like the most likely option. Uh, it doesn't seem like there's any reason to keep Peterman around. Uh, I mean, around on the active roster, I should say. Obviously, he's right. been around the league. He's an NFL quarterback. As much as you want to laugh at that, um, I'm sure there are people laughing at that somewhere. But he's a good practice squad guy to have, get the guys the reps. Yeah, but I think it's only going to be two. Did Peterman throw a pick in the preseason? Probably. Like, if he didn't throw a pick in the preseason, that's a Hall of Fame achievement. Like, that is – like, what were the <laughs> odds of Nathan Peterman not to throw an interception in the preseason? Astronomical. The guy threw, like, seven interceptions in a game. Like – Respect Nathan Peterman. Put some respect on his name. So we think the Bears only carry two quarterbacks. And I know it's fearful because there's always that nightmare scenario where Fields goes right. down, and then oh my God, you are on game day with two active active QBs on the on the roster active for the game. If Fields goes down, you know, in the first quarter, and Simeon goes down, who's your emergency QB? I know in the past it was like Tariq Cohen because he could throw the ball a little bit. I don't know yeah. if you emergency QB. Uh, for this team, uh, maybe I think Dave Montgomery actually had a little bit of history playing quarterback. I remember that being like floated around years ago. So Dave Montgomery, the emergency QB. All right, so we got two QBs there, Fields and Simeon. Fullback, obviously, you're only carrying Kari Blazing game. Yep. Running backs, this is where things start to get interesting for me. I think they only carry three. I do. I, I think they carry Dave oh. Montgomery, Khalil Herbert, and Tristan Ebner. Now, there's questions okay. about whether Tristan Ebner is going to be healthy for week one. Mm -hmm. So that really kind of changes the landscape for running back. But I just think... Because of how top heavy it is, because of how good Khalil Herbert is, like you know it's going to be 90% Herbert and Montgomery, and then it'll be a sprinkle of Ebner. 
what's the reason to carry Tristan Ebner when you are to carry Darrington Evans, throw him on the practice squad. You don't need to carry him on the active roster when you could, you know, put maybe an extra wide receiver on there or an extra old lineman because you know those are positions where, you know, there's a little bit more depth maybe. So I think it's just the three of them. Do you have three or do you or you think they carry Darrington Evans as well? I could see Evans just for his special teams versatility. It's um, a good thing to consider. And we know that, you know, the Bears especially, they put a lot of value in that. So um, he has played well on special teams. I think that could be a sign here. But, um, yeah, I think they only keep the three. Of course, that depends on Tristan Ebner's uh, health and how that shakes out. But as of, like, right this moment, yeah, I would say three. And then, obviously, plus okay. in him. Okay. Because I've seen a lot of people who who are, like, who really think they're going to carry four and they're going to carry, you know, Darrington Evans. I mean, they carried three last year. And I just think, again, because like if, if Khalil Herbert wasn't as established, if he was more of like a, you know, a, a guy we were more unsure about, then yeah, I'd be like, okay, we can carry four then because then you can kind of see, you know, out of those three guys, Herbert, Ebner, and Evans, like who's going to mm-hmm. break out? Who's going to be the number two? But we know that this is one, two. Like it's almost like one A, one B at this point with Dave Montgomery and Khalil Herbert, like not actually. Because Dave Montgomery is sure. going to still get seventy percent of the snaps, but we know Kalu Herbert is is the number two guy, and they're not going to do much else right. other than Herbert and, and Montgomery. So, by the way, my, Dave Montgomery, like I, I tweeted this out on Saturday. This is another thing I saw on Saturday. Like, if it is financially possible, I mean, we've talked so much on the show about how it's we don't we don't think it's likely Dave Montgomery will be carried on this team next year, just given the way it, it happens now for running backs in the league. But God, do I want that guy to be a bear? I mean, he is <laughs> really freaking good, and you like, yeah. Dave Montgomery is a really good football player. If it is possible, and I'm starting to get a little bit more hopeful because of how much money they have next year, I would I would absolutely love for him to be on the Bears and get a little contract extension. That's that's what I would want. But you know, we'll 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 see. Again, you don't over do not overpay for running backs. But let's go to wide receivers now. Um, I think they carry six. Okay, I think they carry six. So I think it's Darnell Mooney, obviously Byron Pringle, Locke, Valus Jones Jr. Locke, Equinemius St. Brown, Locke. Then I think it's Dante Pettis. Okay. Okay. And then this is, I think it's Tajay Sharp. And I think the Q. Really? I, yeah. I don't, I just, what's the value for keeping a kill Harry on the roster right now? I mean, I don't like, I just don't, I, I don't know. Like I, if he's not going to play for eight weeks, I mean, you don't even know what he's going to give you. It's not like, well, oh, if you can stash him on IR, players. why not? Right. Right. I mean, that that's right. You stash him on IR. So you carry, you can carry Tajay Sharp and you, and that would put six, you know, wide receivers on the roster. So you were surprised by that. What surprised you and who do you have that's different? So I, I'm just surprised you because Harry, I know they didn't give up much for him, but he was a strong run blocker. We know how much they want to run and they didn't even really get to see him. I mean, who knows what he was showing in practice or lack thereof. I think they're going to stash him on IR and then make a decision eight weeks later. But um, I do agree with you. I I was surprised that you had sharp. uh, And here's why, because I agree with you. I think Pettis after Saturday makes the team, uh, especially because he has some punt return potential as well. And he has past success in the league, but I I think Symbol Webster makes the team. He's a main stance. He's a main stance special teams. The Bears know him. He works hard. He has that special teams versatility, which I think is where his value comes from. And he's a solid player. They're kind of like that. Uh, he's kind of like a DeAndre Houston Carson, but for the offense. You know, like he's just like <laughs> solid, reliable. You know, he can make a play here and there. So I would have Symbol Webster over Tajay Sharp. That's the only difference I would have uh, with you uh, outside of Nikhil Harry, of course, too. I don't hate that because I really, really like Insima Webster. I really do. And he does yeah. provide another special teams aspect. He's a very solid player. And I think they can get really creative with the things they do with him. I just don't know if he's too similar to the guys that we already have, right? Uh, you know, a little bit undersized, really, really fast. Like, that's exactly what Donna Mooney is. Yeah. That's exactly what Byron Pringle is. That's exactly what Velas Jones Jr. is. Like, Tasha Sharp's a little bit of a bigger guy. I think he's, uh, how tall is Tasha Sharp? Like, 6'1", six, 6'2". Six, Let's take a look. Uh, but he's he's just sort of a different guy from you know just you know how he plays six two one ninety four so you know he's a little bit of a little bit of a bigger guy you know I, I don't know that's the only that was the only reason why I thought maybe they keep Tajay Sharp over him is just because he's sort of different in that aspect but man I, I would love for them to keep in some Webster like I don't think they go wrong either way like I'm not gonna you know pound the table for Tajay Sharp and I'm not gonna be upset if they cut him. Uh, and I'm not either going to be upset if they cut, you know, in Sybil Webster, right? No tears shed for Tajay Sharp. No, no tears shed for Tajay Sharp. But he was sort of a preseason hero. 
with that. In the cap, second game, he like, made a couple nice like plays. Sort of a preseason hero. Sort of. Are, are we giving the are we giving the annual Tanner Gentry preseason oh. hype award to Tajay Sharp? I, I guess we have to. We'll give that out at the end of the show because I got to okay. look. We'll get. I, I think I know who it is. Um, I, think I, I have mine. Uh, let's just do it right now. Who is it? Tristan Ebner. No, it's people, not. People love him. Not, you people know who love him. You know who it is. Come on. Who is it? Big Ten guy, Illinois, Lake Zurich, made a couple big plays, special teams guy. It's Jack Sanborn. It's Jack Sanborn. It's Jack Sanborn. All right. You know all right. I'm Jack gonna, Sanborn. I'm not going to be mad about it. I think people loved Tristan Ebner. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. But then he got hurt. Like, I think yeah. if he didn't get hurt, like, he would have won the award. But Bears Edition Podcast award. officially declares Jack Sanborn the Tanner Gentry preseason hero jack sanborn come on down you have won the annual tanner gentry preseason training camp hype up of the year award this biggest award is won the nfl so far you should be honored i've long said that you should be honored so dante real quick again the wide receivers again about dante pettis yes thought he looked great Mm. that move he put on the defender on that touchdown my god that was a good move and you know again that that uh return aspect is the main reason uh, Why is he made the roster? So six wide receivers. Let's go to tight ends. I think they carry three. I think this is pretty easy for Agreed. me. Cole Komet, James O'Shaughnessy, Ryan Griffin. Chalk here. Yeah. No No complaints. No pounding the table for Rice and John. Nah. Yeah. I, I After I went to um, Family Fest, I thought Rice and John had a chance. He has, you know, good speed, big body, but he didn't. He just didn't produce enough. You know, just didn't produce enough. Well, so I think he'll roll with Griffin. Those, those, those bottom of the position group guys like that's kind of how that goes with them like it because it, it, it all comes down to the special teams coach what has he seen from them does it make sense to keep them right. so like it transcends our knowledge yeah and tight end is it's worth knowing tight end is one of the more prominent special team it, it can be one of the more prominent special teams positions so i wouldn't be shocked if they carried four but i think you can yeah and and the thing about doing this every year is there's no like blueprint for oh they're going to carry this number of wide receivers they're going to carry this number of each position group like it, it changes team by team it changes year by year like there's no right. standard there's no blueprint for the amount of players that are carried at each position group so that makes this a little bit harder um but i think just because of depth at other positions like why would you carry Bryce and john why would you carry mm-hmm. chase allen when you could maybe carry another offensive lineman so let's go to that unit next this i have them carrying nine all right, okay. let's start with the, the guys you started against Cleveland. Larry Borum, Tevin Jenkins, Cody Whitehair, Braxton Jones, Lucas Patrick, Riley Reef, Michael Schofield, Sam Mustafer, and I think they carry Zach Thomas as well. That rounds it out okay. for me. I think they carry nine of them. Do you have any gripes with the offensive line and who we believe is going to make the roster for them? Uh, well, you know, I was banging the table for Doug Kramer the entire time. Then, unfortunately, he got hurt uh, and won't play this year. Guy. No problem. Yeah. Um, but I I don't have a problem with your top eight. I think that last ninth guy could be anybody, whether that's Jatir Carter or Zachary Thomas right. or pick any one of the undrafted free agents they brought in, any one of the late picks. Um, I think this would have been Doug Kramer far and away, and that's, you know, bias aside uh, as an Illinois guy. But uh, I, I think, and the thing is, this might not be set. Like this might be, you know, um, I saw a tweet, like something like 800 guys are going to get cut across the NFL tomorrow. Like there are going to be guys. Yeah, to we, be, we, know, we know the bears are going to be active, especially at offensive line where this is still a unit that you're not completely comfortable with. They'll be active. They will be looking. And so, I think that this ninth, even the eighth spot could change. I mean, Riley Reef has not played well. Michael Schofield has not played well. So the Bears, this might be the, that bottom three. I agree. I think they'll take nine because they need to take as many as they can, as they can rationalize. But, you know, come to this time tomorrow, there might be guys that weren't on the roster today that are now 100%. tomorrow. So, and that's actually worth noting is like, do they go under 53? You know, do they, do they cut it? Do they go to like 52 or 51? with the anticipation that they're going to pick somebody up. Like, do they, you know, I think that's, 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 that's a fair thing. I think that, I I think you do 53 because you can't assume that there's going to be somebody you like, because then, all right, what if then somebody who you cut gets scooped up and then you can't go back for them, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, and like, they can't, like, they can go under 53. Like, it's not like they have to be at 53. They can go under, but I, you know, I, that you're you're 100 right, and that's why when I was doing this, I had that same line of thinking, and especially with the wide receiver position. Like, you know, today, tomorrow, 
they could cut it down to 53, right? And mm-hmm. Taja Sharper and Simba Webster could be on the roster. Sure. And the bottom line is, as you mentioned, you talk about 800 players, a good wide receiver, or not a good, but a, a wide receiver upgrade for this team. Better than what you currently have. Yes, is going to be available. It's just, it's that's that's fact of the matter. So Taja Sharper and Simba Webster could be on the 53 man roster on Tuesday, and on Wednesday they couldn't. Like, that, that's, I think that's just the way it's going to be. And this is like, we have heard it from Ryan Poles that they're going to be active at this time. And I think it was the director of player personnel who was on the pregame of Fox 32 before the, uh, the preseason game against the Browns, who was saying the same thing, who was talking about the amount of talent that's available uh, around this time of year and how they're going to be active looking for talent. So it, it, the two biggest position groups, obviously, I think are going to be wide receiver and O-line, but also I, I think corner. I think secondary could be a place yep. where they might Absolutely. be looking for, you know, the guys who are on the island of misfit toys who are cut, um, who are floating around. And, you know, I don't know. I will have to, I'll have to do uh, – maybe I'll, you know, we'll, we'll tweet something tomorrow about the guys that we think are going to get cut. I can't think of any names right now for certain teams who we who, who I think could get cut. That's just too much – that's too much brain power for me right, right now. Yeah. To think well, we haven't scoured other teams' um, waivers. Too. We haven't. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball now. Let's start with you know the defensive tackles. Um, I, I think they carry five, okay? I think they carry Justin Jones, okay. Kyrus Tonga, Angelo Blackson, Mara Edwards Jr., and I think I think they do carry Micah Du Treadway. Okay. I, it's kind of up in the air for me, but I, I think they could carry that. Do you have uh, kind of the same there for the defensive tackle group? Uh, so the only one I – that last defensive tackle, I think I might give the a little bit of an edge to Sam Kamara. Because it's a beat hill second year, has a little bit of familiarity with the team, has shown flashes. You can maybe take a flyer with him. But I mean, that last spot could go to literally any like pick, pick Du Treadway or Trevin Coley or Charles Snowden or Sam Kamara or Mike Pinnell Jr. Like out of those five, that last tackle spot could go to any of them. Yeah. Sam Kamara actually, well, I think it was in the Seahawks game, was rated like the number one defensive player in all of preseason <laughs> for that Seahawks game. So um, I am Scox mentions the bears are seventh in the waiver wire order. Definitely will be interesting. hundred uh, percent. T3P podcast thinks Coley is a lot. Coley played well against Cleveland, but in the other games, in the first two games, Mike could do Treadway was making some plays and he was making some yep. plays, uh, you know, with the first stringers too. So, you know, Coley had, Coley is sort of on, uh, has the advantage of recency bias, but I think overall, well, it helps being a draft pick too. It, it it does, it does. But you know, we'll we'll see what happens there. Let's go to Edge. I think they carry four. I don't think this should be surprising at all. I just think they carry no. Robert Quinn, Al Kadeh Muhammad, Travis Gibson, and Dominic Robinson. Right? I mean, I don't. <laughs> yep, that's it. It's, 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 <laughs> that's it. Yeah, yeah, that's you know. And I look. I wish. I honestly wish we would have seen a little bit more from Travis Gibson this preseason. I want to sure. say he was active in all games, right? Yeah, even if he, you know, here's my thing with Travis Gibson. Even if he doesn't show up with the sack numbers, you watch the tape, like you watch the games, he's there, he's around. I think he he has shown enough progression this year where I think he can be a really solid player. He's making an, he's making enough of an impact as a, as a you know as the backup there at edge, right? right? So, um, okay, so we got there at edge. Let's go to linebacker now. I think they carry. I think they might carry six. You know, that's a okay. lot. I think they carry six just because that's the most prominent position for special teams. Uh, and I think I really do think this team values special teams as they should. It's a very important part of the game. Uh, obviously, it's going to be Roquan Smith, Nicholas Morrow uh, as the two locks, and, and probably Matt Adams. Is I would say he's a lock right at this point. Yes, consider him a lock. All right, so Nicholas Maher, Roquan Smith, and Matt Adams are the three locks. Then I think it's Jack Sanborn, Joe mm-hmm. Thomas, and I, I think I think DeMarquis Gates might make the roster. I think DeMarquis okay. Gates might make the roster. I saw I saw enough from him where he could be a special teams asset, but he was also flying around the field a little bit, especially in that Seattle game. Um, I, I think they, I, you know, when I broke this down, it made it possible for them to carry six linebackers. I think in this defense, given the fact that, you know, Matt Adams isn't the strongest player. Neither is Jack Sanborn. Or, you know, like a lot of these You're keeping them more for special teams. Yeah, you're keeping them for special teams. But also, just because you don't really know who, like, you just, it's, it's, oh, it's an okay, that's a position where I'd be more okay having depth with. So, 1, did you have any gripes with that? Um, no. My big takeaway from this was, man, the drop-off after Morrow and Roquan it's, it is... is large it's tough and i agree with you i think they have to keep six just to have bodies and have options because it's if either of those guys goes down you're in trouble you're in trouble that's it simple as that god and that's why like my god i don't even want to think about what that team would have been without 
Roquan Smith. Exactly. Agree. Holy 100% God. agree. Glad that it's like now we're doing this. We're, we're cutting down to the 53 my roster. Like, holy shit. Thank God. Yeah. Roquan right. Just kind of play out his contract. A major bullet. Uh, yeah. Dodge. Yeah. 1000%. So, uh, thanks, Roquan, I guess, for yeah, right. just play out the contract. You, you could have totally not done it. I mean, it would have been fine, but thanks, sure. I guess. So there we have linebackers. You got six of them. All right. This is, uh, this one, I think this position group is the hardest to put together for me. Absolutely. Right? Cornerback. So we know you have – I I mean, there might only be two locks. There might only be two locks. Jalen Johnson and Kyler Gordon. Now, I I, I believe oh, – I believe Kendall Vildor is a lock just, just because of how much playing time he's been getting. He wasn't getting torched in the pre – did he look phenomenal? No. Did he make mm-hmm. the plays he needed to make? Yeah. Did he look okay? He had some nice tackles in the open field. He looked fine. He wasn't doing – what he did last year against Minnesota where he was getting absolutely picked on by guys like Justin Jefferson. Um, I think it's Jalen Johnson, Kyler Gordon, Kendall Vildor. I think Thomas Graham Jr. makes it. Okay. Tavon Young, although injured, I think makes it. And Lamar Jackson as my sixth guy. So I think okay. this one can go – this one's the hardest for me to do. I have a feeling yours is not going to be the same as mine. I'm shocked. I mean, Thomas Graham and Tavon Young both injured. Keeping two injured corners is a bold move by you, for sure. Um, I agree with you. Jalen Johnson, Kyler Gordon, Kendall Vildor, locks. I think Duke Shelley makes it as the top like nickel backup. I know we don't love him as a starter, but when he was in the nickel and when he was a, bit a backup in the past years, he's been pretty solid. So I like that. Um, I think Greg Stroman good game in Cleveland. I think that recency bias is going to go a long way. Now, this could, like most of these, like I said, this, this could go anyway. Lamar Jackson could also totally make this. Um, Thomas Graham might not make, like might be in there. Obviously I don't have him on here. I would love to, I would love to put Thomas Graham on there, but with his injury status being up in the air, I don't know. So it's just, I mean, I think the, like offensive line, I think the bears are going to be very, very closely watching cuts around the league at corner. hundred percent. And this is like, uh, like exactly what's going to happen is you got a guy who's probably like 33 or 32, sure. right? Like, uh, I'm trying to think of a good example of this. You're like a Prince of Mukamura type deal. Like, he's 32. Bring him back. Him. No, not, not Prince Mukamura exactly, but just like a situation like that. Like, guy who, who's done, he's been good in the past. He's not, sure. not going to be a liability. He's a good veteran presence in a unit that could use sure. a little bit of veteran presence, right? You know, I think something like that you might see at cornerback because a lot of the guys like, you know, like a Lamar Jackson, fair, you know, young, unproven. He's 24 years old. You don't really know what you're going to get out of him. Um, Tavon Young has done it in Baltimore, but again, he's injured. So, and, like, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, none of these, again, I, I would personally – I would be enraged if they cut Thomas Graham Jr. That's just because of you know how much of a defender I've been of him. I what if what if they stash him practice squad again? If they stash him practice squad, that's fine. Let him get healthy and you know show what he can do sure. later in season. Um, you know, again, it really makes this difficult when you have injury situations like this. I don't really even know the status of Thomas Graham Jr. If he's supposed to, nobody be does. We don't know. One or not. I mean, nobody does. We don't know him or Tavon Young really. Or and, like, and if they were healthy, I think Tavon Young and Thomas Graham would have been easy makes for the team. One hundred percent. Hundred percent. I mean, Thomas Graham Jr. was a player with a shine. He shown shine, right. shine. I mean, we're shine. I mean, and we're higher on him than most people are. Yeah, but he would have done well in the preseason. And that's sure. our guy. So I mean, I, and it, it it is weird though because even before he was injured, I don't know if this was before he was injured. I mean, how much of training camp did he participate in? When when Not did he time. get injured? I can't even remember. Yeah, it was early. Because in that first depth chart, it was like weeks ago, they, they read out the first depth chart, and I, I can't remember if this was before he was injured or not. But he was the four string cornerback. So. Yeah. It might be you might be onto something when you're talking about they don't really believe in him and they ain't drafted, yeah. they don't owe him anything. Like there could be truth to that, but you know, from from my eyes, that guy can play. So that's what we have at cornerback. Uh, rounding it out with safeties, I got Eddie Jackson, Jaquan Brisker, DeAndre Houston, Carson, Dane Crookshank, Elijah Hicks. Same, I have the exact I mean, same. Those bottom three, they're just main, sta- they're staples on special teams. Like that's. I mean, I, like I already mentioned a big time special player, special yeah, teams player. 1000%. Uh, so there's also a little bit of depth here. Uh, I mean, Hicks, I kind of like him like at Cal, he was a decent player. So I, I mean, it, this is all like, this all hinges on Eddie Jackson, the quality of the squad uh, of this unit, like that it all hinges on Eddie Jackson and what he looks like. And if he's one of those players that's fully bought into Matt Eberflus's, you know, culture or philosophy, however you want to say it. 
So while we were doing this, I did a little bit of research real quick. I popped up an article from Bleacher Report um, that is naming here the top eight players that they think could hit the market tomorrow during cuts. So I'm going to okay. read you this list, and I'm going to tell you if any of these guys are going to be or could be players that the Bears could target. All right. So uh, well, let's do this. I, well, I, let, yeah. Let's just I mean, because we only have special teamers left for. Oh know. wait, yeah. Sorry, sorry. So, so let's list. I mean, we know what it's going to be. Cairo Santos, Cairo, Trent Gill, Patrick yeah. Scales. Okay, right. good. Uh, good. Okay. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I, yeah, all right. Was, all right, you know. moving on. Okay, so so we got that. So that was, that was our 53. We rounded it out. We did the math, and it is correct. Okay. Math, For sure. Big correct. math 100% guys over here. We know, we know how to add. Yep. I didn't even, Jake, I didn't even pull out the calculator. I did this on the train home, and I didn't pull out the calculator. All right? Very proud this, of you. This is mental capacity this is mental strength your, your fourth and fifth grade teachers who told you would never have a calculator on you at all times are very proud of you somewhere they they, they are i'm gonna i'm gonna send them an email after this let's go to the top eight players that bleacher report or whatever they know thinks are going to be cut zach bond linebacker from new orleans saints i don't really know who that is nope but he has bounced between the uh, be careful kevin the, the new orleans fans here. will come oh, for you God, now. here they come here they come oh god don't clip now, it. Don't clip now, it. Now you're going to know how it feels. I'm going to know how it feels. Zach Bond, how many people in the chat right now? You got, we got like 17 or 18 people watching. How many of you 17 people know who Zach Bond is? Put it in really the chat. Funny. So let's, let's not even worry about him. Jimmy Garoppolo, don't worry about that. Um, running back, Miles Gaskin. They're not going to go after a running back. Ronald Jones, no. All right, here we go. Linebacker out of Atlanta, Nick Kwiatkowski. Oh, God. What's wrong with Nick Kwiatkowski? I'd bring him back. The ghosts of Christmas past. Yeah, come on. Bring back Nick Kwiatkowski. Run it back. I mean, I don't I don't hate it. I don't hate and it. we know how good Eberflus is with linebackers. He's been injured this summer. That right. has been the issue, according to Bleacher Report. He's been out. Um, so and they just activated Deion Jones out of the physically unable to perform list. So Atlanta could be releasing a linebacker and they think it could be Nick Quitas. I would so, I would be open to that. I would be open would to not- it too. Again, like I mean, I am Scott says he thinks Adam is Adams is gonna be a surprise cut. I don't know about that. I mean, if they release yeah. Matt Adams, what the hell are you doing? I mean, is Jack Sanborn a starter? I mean, is he if they release <laughs> Matt Adams? I mean, hey, respect Jake. I would like you to put some respect on the Tanner Gentry 2022 preseason hero of the year award, mm-hmm. Jack Sanborn. Put some respect in this name. But Nick Kwiatkowski, we think, could be possible. Here's another guy. Very intriguing name. People are going to know the name because of where he was drafted. Alex Leatherwood, offensive lineman. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is like a new This is like a Nikhil Harry move, right? His first-round draft pick, caught for whatever Yeah, but reason. not just a first-round draft pick, a top 15 draft pick. Yeah, where was he drafted exactly? I mean, 13th, like, I want to say? He was high, man. It was like the surprise of the draft. Everyone's like, what are the Raiders doing? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, they say he could get an opportunity as a tackle or a guard. Um, okay, you're 17 overall. 17 overall. Okay, 17. So in this report, this Bleacher report says, uh, the Chicago Bears, who just moved second-year offensive lineman Tevin Jenkins from tackle to guard, may take a flower on Leatherwood because of his collegiate dominance on the perimeter. So, like, they think... They think he could be a uh, a target. I don't know. Like, what do you I remember, think Alex Leatherwood would be a target? I remember on dra- that draft night, because that was obviously the Justin Fields draft too. Like that draft night, <laughs> once Leatherwood was picked, everyone was like, what the hell? Like, all right, so somebody's going to slide. And everyone was like, that's going to be like the move that has an effect on the whole draft because it just <laughs> screwed everything up. And Vegas took Damon Arnett in that draft too, who yep. now was released after like weapon possession. Like that Something was weird, oh, yeah. That was so bad for the Raiders and Mike Mayock. That, that was oh, terrible. Yeah. Um, so that's a name to keep nine. Is he great? No. But again, like this is, the, this is the same Nikhil Harry conversation. First round pick, needs a change of scenery. Can he do well with a different system, different organization who maybe has a little bit more faith in him? Like, again, this is a guy you'd be picking up off the street. Like, there's really right. nothing to lose. If you had to cut, you know, I don't know, Sam Mustafer for him, you know, <laughs> do it. But actually, right. I don't know if they will because Sam Mustafer is just like, He's just like your go-to. Well, he's he can like, also play all over the line too. Well, yeah, Center but guard, it's, yeah. you know, 
It, it, it's like it, here, like Jake, you know, when you go to a bar and then like you want to try like a new beer or something, but you just end up always going back to the Corona. You go to your panic like, order. You, you go to, yeah. Like that's Sam Mustafer for the bears. Right. Yeah, like that's just, sure. you know, okay. if that's, goes wrong, <laughs> that's a good analogy. That like, is, a, that is a fair analogy. That is. Can you give me some credit? Like I'm not great. No, with analogy, I'll, I'll give you credit. Like, He's your panic right. order. I'll give you okay. credit for that one. Yeah. It's not the best panic order, but like if I'm ordering, like PBR is not a good drink to drink at the bar, but you know what you're getting. You know what you're getting. Yeah, you know? that's fair. All right. That's fair. Um, so this is where we get into the offensive uh, skill position players. A name that has been floated around as a possible trade candidate, but it's probably not going to happen at this point. So they'll probably release him. Denzel Mims, who actually I think had yeah. 90 yards and a touchdown in their last preseason game for the Jets against the Giants. Uh, this has been a name that has been, you know, again, floated around for the Bears as a potential target. I mean, what do you think? I I would love the Bears to take a flyer on him. Uh, I, I mean, he's better than like the other bottom of the barrel guys that you have on the roster already. So I, I definitely would not hate the Bears taking a flyer on him. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it, it makes sense for the Jets. They save apparently a million dollars by, uh, by dropping him. He was a second-round pick in 2020 mm-hmm. back when Adam Gaze was the head coach. So – if, if if we know anything about you know players not thriving under a bad system, Denzel Mims is certainly Adam, uh, Adam Gase is all you need Adam, to say. Yeah, Adam Gase is like any name attributed to Adam Gase gets a free pass for whatever happened in their career during that time period. Exactly. Um, so Denzel Mims definitely, definitely, definitely a name to look out for. Uh, let's do the final guy, and then I'll ask you a question. Darius Slayton. Why does he from New York Giants again was supposed to be another possible trade candidate? Don't think it's going to happen again. It's too late. They're going to cut him. Probably the Giants have some younger receivers. Um, I think. Yeah, yeah. No, Darius is Sterling Shepard was the guy in that video that we did about uh, yes. the Madden ratings who was rated above Darna Mooney. Darius Slate, yes. I don't believe, was rated above Darna Mooney. But this was a guy who actually picked him up on my fantasy team a couple years ago last year. Like has a little bit of potential. Fifth rounder out of Auburn back in 2019 um, in his career. Um, so... I think 98 passes for 1,491 yards and 11 touchdowns through his first two seasons. So this is a guy who has done it a little bit. Um, last year, only 26 receptions for 339 yards and two touchdowns. But his first two years, dude was balling. So this guy, like this, this isn't just, you know, like an Alex Leatherwood or, or maybe even a Denzel Williams where they really haven't really proven it. You're just kind of taking a flyer and hoping like, no, this guy produced in his first two years. He can produce. This he just might be a cap casualty for them. Just might save a little money by cutting right. him. Would you prefer Darius Slayton over Denzel Mims in the scenario that both are available to go to the Bears? Uh, I would probably take Mims just because he's a little bigger. He's six three, two hundred, whereas Mims I think is like six one, one ninety. So I'll take the guy with a little bit more size. But I mean, I wouldn't hate either of them just because of the state of the Bears wide receiver room. You kind of have to at least take a look at both of those guys. Have to. It's, it's the reason you go like at Pettis and Sharp because they were guys that had had success in the league previously, and you're like, all right, screw it. Like, so if, yeah, if Mims or Slayton can be had for a reasonable price, or if you could just bring them in for money if they get cut, then yeah, I think it's absolutely worth it. Hey, this is this is getting me excited now, right? Because like, there's a, there's an opportunity here that they could really bring in some decent guys, man. Like sure. they could they could elevate. Like you're not elevating the roster, you know, from here to here. You know, you're right. not, you know, visualizing for those listening to the podcast. It's not a huge jump, but it's an improvement. It's an upgrade, right? It, right? It's, so it's the type of upgrades. It's the type of moves that teams on the edges and that are flirting, like in that kind of purgatory that the Bears have been in for the last couple of years. So that's the type of moves you need to make, because if you hit, if you like, let's say you sign Denzel Mims and suddenly he's awesome again, or he's like the player that you thought he could be when he was drafted, then all right, all of a sudden, you have Darnell Mooney, who we think can be an over 1,200-yard receiver on this show. We have a lot of faith in him. And you pair him with Mims and Komet. That makes the outlook of your offense way brighter, for sure. And that gives, makes Justin Fields, his future, way brighter. So, yeah, 1,000%. I mean, it's just some of those types of moves that you have to make when you're in a team in the Bears position because you got to take swings. Absolutely. Um, and, and every year there are surprise cuts. Okay. Every yeah. single year there are some very, very surprising cuts. Like it's going to happen. Some other names on this list before we close out. I just want to read them out here. Um, Andy Isabella, Cardinals wide receiver. Th- this, you know, I don't know who this uh, USA Today thinks Marcus Peters, cornerback of the Ravens, came coming off the ACL injury last year, could be, you know, a, a, a cut, um, a potential yeah, cut. Sure. 
um, a potential casualty. Uh, Eli Apple, God. Never. Uh, Never Eli Apple. (laughs) Never Eli Apple. Uh, Cornerback Anthony Brown from from Dallas had a good year last year. Uh, Cornerback Mike Hughes from Detroit. Oh, this this website thinks they're gonna the Packers are gonna cut Sammy Watkins. There's no way that I mean, happens. I would be surprised. So I, I would be a little bit surprised. Good. I would be a little bit surprised. Um, but anyway, I'm not gonna go down the rest of this list. There will be guys available for the Chicago Bears to make this team better. The final question I have for you yep. before we head out is: if you had to guess, if you want to, let's just make a prediction, either a player or a position group, what move? you think will surprise you the most tomorrow, whether it's a cut player, whether it's a player who's going to be cut or whether it's a player who's going to be picked up at a position group. Do they pick up a wide receiver and offensive lineman? What coming across your Twitter feed tomorrow is going to shock you the most? Um, so I won't throw a name out there, obviously, because there's so many that could be in that pool. Um, I think something will happen. <sighs> so which one do I want to pick? I think something's going to happen at receiver. It has to. I mean, you're just so you're so desperate at that position. I think it's more of like beggars can't be choosers and the bears are beggars in this situation. And the worst way, I think something will happen. I don't know what, but I they'll make maybe multiple moves uh, because you need to have something take multiple bites of the apple when it comes to the wide receiver room. I agree. I'm going to tell you on that. Uh, I'm going to, you know, I'm Scox with a really good comment here saying the wide receiver coach for the Bears, Tyke Tobert, also coached Darius Slayton in New York. That's a very, very important connection. connection. I'm going to go on a limb and just for the sake of predictions, think it's going to be Darius Slayton. I think he gets caught right. by the Giants. I think the Bears pick him up. Big upgrade for the Bears. I think they make a move. Jake, it all happens tomorrow, man. The big day, the big cut down. Uh, it's going to be a, a busy day for us tomorrow. Yeah, it'll definitely be a busy day for the Bears for who they bring in, who they cut. It'll be interesting. Like Kevin said, that there's always surprise cuts. That does not exclude the Bears. I'm sure there's going to be a couple surprise names that we see. They're like, oh, wow, really? Um, But that happens to every team. Um, But for us and the purposes of this show, we will be back next week in studio. Back. Kevin's made some tweaks, made some upgrades to preview week one against the San Francisco 49ers. We are. This close, people. We're at the finish line. It's been a long offseason of speculation and arguments between Kevin and myself about this roster and the direction of the Bears. But it's all back. We talk about things that are actually happening, things that are actually going to be played on the Soldier Field turf. It all happens next Wednesday. So come back right here. Bears Nation podcast, all the socials on this channel. We'll be here to break down the Bears week one matchup against San Francisco. Until then, for myself, for Kevin Lapka, this has been Bears Nation podcast. We'll see you next week. And as always, bear down. Oh, my God.